Hello and welcome to another episode of the John Koppel Podcast. Today, my returning guest, my good buddy, Ron Metellus. How are you, man? I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> you had a late one last night. I had a late one, yeah. I went to bed at like 2.30. What What happened? I had a date. Nice. And yeah, it started at 10. And then we, what did we do first? We got drinks at Win Win, my home bar. Hosted comedy shows there before. And then we went to Good Good uh, Comedy Theater and watched Darlings, which is a show that happens every midnight, every midnight, every Friday at midnight. <laughs> now, you t- so you took your date to a comedy show? Yeah. I think it's a great idea to take your date to a comedy show that you're not in because you get in there and everyone's dapping you up. Everyone's very happy to see you. Mm. And then you also just like can you can prep them because you have hopefully you've seen the show before so you can drop some knowledge. And then the show itself is just a fun show. I know what the good shows are. That is a that is a fun show. Um, Really silly and high energy. So was this a first date? Like second ish. Okay. this is a really interesting situation. This is what I'm calling a home and home. I was in New Orleans last week and. I Tinder matched with this person and then she messaged me just like an Eagles fan in New Orleans. What are the odds? And I'm just like, low, I'm not from New Orleans. <laughs> the odds are really low. Um, so then we hung out in New Orleans and I was just like, are you going to be back in town for like visiting family? And she was like, yes, I will be back in town visiting family. So you so matched a- her and it said somewhere in her profile that she's from Philly. Yeah. But she lives in New Orleans. She lives in New Orleans. She goes to Tulane. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to Tulane. No fucking way. You went oh, you to didn't know this? No. When I saw that you were going to New Orleans. I was offended. <laughs> you don't check in. You don't ask uh, me. No. I we were more than talking about New Orleans. In my last cast, I was saying, like, I, th- I think I shoehorned it into too many conversations <laughs> because at this point, it's one of the more interesting things about me. It's like, I used to live down there. We were so we were so pressed for recommendations, too, because at, at day three, it's just like, Cafe Du Monde again. Like let's oh, get, like, and my no. life we liked it, but yeah, no, on, we were looking cool for, for stuff to do. Trap. Yeah, <laughs> did he get out on Frenchman Street? Or yeah, we did. Yeah, okay. I fun, very fun. Did you eat any po boys at Domelisi's? I don't know. I didn't do that. I had a po boy at. It kind of had the vibe of like a chicky and Pete's where Acme Oyster House. No. No. Um. It was someplace on but Decatur, it, probably. Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, and I just don't like po' boys. They're just, they're, I mean, I'm basing it go. off of that. Uh, it just felt like a cheesesteak to me, where it's just like, oh, this is just, is bread, is chopped up meat. So you don't I like cheesesteaks tr- either. I don't How really like cheesesteaks. How many other cheese cities steak? do you want to shit on? <laughs> Their greatest culinary achievements. <laughs> I've heard that um, shrimp po' boys are better. I had, I had like a, I think maybe like steak based or beet or roast beef i don't it was it was not shrimp though it was like and and it wasn't oyster and it wasn't oyster no oh man and you weren't uptown at all no i don't think so uptown is like that's what's up yeah for as far as po boys go as far as food and the bars and you're still in new orleans but it's you're you're less you're outside of the tourist traps Mm -hmm. and it's still like the number of bars per capita are absolutely insane yeah but some of my favorite bars you like like when you first go to college there and you first get to new orleans you think like i have to be down a bourbon street as much as possible and then as you spend more time there you realize that you don't really want to be in a tourist area <laughs> hanging out all the time and that they're like th- they're really cool spots. Yeah. Like live music going all the time. And well, next time you're going to check in with me. That goes <laughs> for everybody out there. The fuck? You have me as a resource. Yeah. I want to go. Me. I really want to go back. The new movement theater that hosts um, Hell Yes Fest, what we were part of. Such a dope theater. Would love to go back and like do more shows there. And all the comics that I met from New Orleans were really nice too. So, so you and Brandon Mitchell got accepted into this festival? Yes, uh, me, Brandon, and Keen, Keen Cobb. I applied as a performer, and then they were just like, "We like your tape. Also, would you want to be? Would you want to like do your show, a Black History Monthly, as a part of the fest?" And I was like, "Yes, um, but I will will not do it by myself." Oh, <laughs> um, wow. And so I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I the show is really about 
I mean, it's both like a diversity showcase and like getting diverse performers to be on the same show. But it's also about just like our friendship and like how we interact and like airing grievances. So it's not something where I could just like hole up and like I'm doing Black History Monthly by myself. Like it just wouldn't it wouldn't be the same. And they were just like, yeah, bring them down. We'll get them on shows. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. they got wrist, the wrist banded up and, and the whole nine. So they they were part of the fest. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but but the Hell Yes Festival, they had this, um, the application online, and I think the whatever the date it was due to submit your stuff, uh, they said that this was going to be in November, like sometime in November. They didn't even know the date. Yeah. <laughs> Which felt, because I was thinking about applying because I want to get back there. I was like, well, I can't just do something. <laughs> like, when is it? Yeah, it was. It, it felt very New Orleans. It me. was very New Orleans. And it's because um, I had looked it up and before the festival took place in October, which I think would have been better for me as far as flights because getting in the 15th was fine, but like the fest ended the 19th. And so once you hit the 20th, now you're hitting like Thanksgiving right. cost as far as flights. And so the flight out was like a real pain, but um, the flight in was fine. So it went well. It went well. Yeah. I had a lot. I, the sets there were such great crowds. I'm, I'm just going to name places since you're the local. Yeah. So we went to, we did high hole lounge. Okay. I don't know it. It's on, everything's on St. Claude. St. Claude? Yeah, St. Claude's, they, I guess they cleaned it up. I don't know. People, that's what people it's, were saying. It's, things have changed a lot. It's been a while. <laughs> I might not be the best resource. <laughs> when oh. you talk to like a 37-year-old <laughs> father or two, yeah, I might not be the sharpest. Okay, St. Claude. Our show is at Cafe Istanbul, which is not a cafe and not really Turkish. It's run by a British guy. So I don't know what that's about, but it's a theater, great theater. Um, and then they had a show, had shows at Always, which is a bar in St. Claude. And they call that, they have a name for it. Always has, is a bar, and then the theater has another name that I'm forgetting right now. And then obviously the new movement, and that's where... V listeners can't see this, but there's a real cinematic lighting happening on John's face right now. <laughs> real Rembrandt lighting coming in from the window. I need, it looks great. I need whatever look I great. can get. Here. <laughs> I need effects. I got to dress this face up. <laughs> it looked great right now. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. So, yeah, those were the. So, I ended up doing. Were you doing day drinking? Before? Yeah, because and I, I can't. I have to. I didn't. I don't drink that much as is, but I wasn't driving there and I wanted the full New Orleans experience. So I I had a Bloody Mary at like 11 or tw or noon. Where did you get it from? Just like a tourist trap bar. No, nowhere I'd be proud of, but like near Bourbon Street. They make mean bloodies if you go to the right places. Yeah, it was it was a fine Bloody Mary. It wasn't it wasn't the best I've had. Definitely not the worst. You, the good thing with a Bloody Mary is you can't fuck it up. Yes, you can't. Well, you can put like I've seen like dirty vegetables. You just like you ever like they put the celery stock and like you see like the brown and yeah. it's like ah. I don't... Actually, as soon as I said it, I realized that was an asinine thing to say. You can totally fuck it up because people are getting too cute with their bloody marys. Yeah, and then the t sometimes the tomato juice just tastes really bitter for some. Right. It, Not enough vodka fucks up a bloody mary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like if you're just feel like you're drinking salty bloody mary mix. Yes. It's like the the vodka actually makes it easier to drink. It gives it the balance that it needs. You shouldn't be able to fuck it up, but people find a way. Yeah, such is life, huh? So, yeah, I did day drinking, but what happens for me is you just crash. So, at right. 7 p.m., I was, I'm done. How old are you? 27. Oh, okay. So, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's all. It's I'm all starting to experience what, like, an actual hangover is. Right. And but you're still going out on dates that start at ten. I went on a date with my wife last night that ended at ten. Yeah, I said <laughs> and, and I was a little bit banged up this morning when I got up at like six thirty. <laughs> I listen, I suggest I I was ready for the date to start at eight and I suggested nine to like play it cool. And she was like, No, can we do nine thirty, ten? She she's had, a New Orleans girl. She's, she's New Orleans and I think that her, she was having like family over for dinner and wanted to like see them all see them out. So we started late. I like this girl. 
She's cool, yeah. Yeah, I just like that she went down there like I did, and that she still reps the Eagles hard. Yes, and she's into going to see stand up. That was the, like it's all. She's cool, yeah. Did I, she um... see you perform when you were down there? No, I don't think so. No, she didn't. So she loves you for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just for your talent. Yeah, know, I mean all the cachet that comes along. Yeah, with part the, of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> she's not a scenester, man. She's <laughs> legit. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, that was like a big theme of our trip to New Orleans because we would say we're from Philadelphia, and there's this like there's a lot of respect for the Eagles out there. And I've been to a lot of cities. I would say. New Orleans might be their fandom might be the most evident. So like people you'll 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 drive by and like doors will have like the Fleur de Lee sign or like the logo on it and like Saints up, Saints memorabilia on the door and that, like that stuff you don't really see in other cities. Like people like football but like New Orleans really like lives or dies football. So they they love their Saints. I think part of it is this is just half baked theory. Part of it is defense mechanism because whenever the Saints have a home game, like the French Quarter gets overtaken by whoever it is because people circled out on the calendar. I'm gonna go down to New Orleans. This is the this is the away game. I'm checking out. Yeah, them year. and the Dolphins probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dolphins are, are big with that too. So. Um, so you would see people acting like such assholes on Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. You know, they just get hammered. They see other like Green Bay's playing. They see another person a Packers. Oh lord! And they really travel, and it's yeah, they yeah. just get hammered. That's that's actually the perfect example because they're such drunks. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that some of it's defense, and then some Sorry. of it is just they love Breeze. Breeze came to that city and just. He was so charitable, and he was like their best quarterback in their franchise's history by miles. And it's just of any city, it's just like it used to be. It was a long time ago, but it was like if you're talking six to nine years ago, everybody was in Breeze jerseys. Yeah, yeah, like pretty much the way that we're all going to be with Wentz. Yes, and he and he refuses to go anywhere. That was another conversation I had with Saints fans. Is that? Uh, the contingent of people who are just like, I think Bree should retire. And then the other people are just like, give him another five years. We'll see what happens. But yeah, people are having those conversations. Oh, that's sad. It is. He's 37. Yeah, that's old. <laughs> I mean, oh, at that God. age, it's pretty much over. Yeah, for a quarterback, you imagine if you suited up. Oh, my God. Dude, I went to the gym today. My left knee is getting a little bit wonky from playing basketball, but not playing, just taking jump shots. Like, I've been shooting around, you and it's fucking my oh knee my, up. Yeah, the, mo- the, the thing that gets you ready to play basketball right. is landing you on the disabled list. Yeah, I'm going at, like, 60% speed out there. And, by the way, I was hitting probably, like, 75% of my shots. Hell, yeah. My, I can still ball. Hell, yeah. We should um, play. Yeah, well, no, I can't because it'll hurt. <laughs> we, we're pretty. We play half court. You can you can hide in a corner somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, hit me like I will stick. Steve the, Kerr. Yeah, hundred percent. Steve Kerr, Clay Thompson, just get in the corner. Um, we'll feed you. Thank you for evening it out racially. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I was just trying to modernize it. I was oh, like, okay. There's, there are more recent JJ shooters. JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick. Kyle Corver. Was. Um, so I know I'm getting old because at the gym, my gym is this big industrial, um, it's Lifetime Fitness, and they have boot camps all the time. And just like wherever you want to start to work out, you're going to be close to a boom box where they're blasting house music and yelling. And it makes me so angry. Like, I don't want to hear this horrible music. Yeah, I don't want that. Over my whatever's the headphones in my ear. And I, I thought the boot camp craze was going to be over by now. Yeah, me too. Or like the Tough Mudder and, and all that. But it's still going strong. It's People, so fucking lame. It's, I, I was actually thinking about that because one of my... Uh, good friends ran a half marathon. I was in Boston recently. My good friend ran a half marathon and I was so proud of him. And like his mom came down and like she was really proud. And it's one of those things where if you don't have a Philly's funniest (laughs) (laughs) 
or like just a centralizing event to be like, here is a thing that I'm doing this year that you can come to. I think that like that. And much it, like stand up, all of your friends' eyes will glaze over while you try to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Oh, really. right, right. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's muddy. You say that it gets really muddy. That's so cool. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, but it's this event that like, hey, you want people in your life to invest in the thing that you're doing and it's impressive. Tough mutter. And that Half part marathon. of it's cool. Now mm-hmm. I feel like a dick. Because that part of it is cool. You have to have a thing yeah. to pour yourself into. But I, I don't understand why people can't just go work out. Yeah, It's or, like, yeah. I want to pretend <laughs> I'm in the military. I want to be yelled at with horrible house music in the background. And I'll be surrounded by chubby people in space. <laughs> yeah, that... And it'll be perfect. Yeah, I mean, the I like obsession. But like you can put your obsession into stuff that's lame. I've done it. We've all done it. Yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, we do it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I go Welcome to mics to that I know that are going to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, um, yeah, I've been feeling old, not only because my knee is going and I get mad at house music, but I spent a lot of time outside yesterday, and uh, and I was tempted to yell at several cars for driving too fast in my neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and my wife, when we were walking out, we went out in, in Ambler, so we just walked out. She was like, these goddamn cars drive so fast. <laughs> I'm that person, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, slow down. <laughs> for real? If you're on residential, there's no reason for you to be going over 25 miles an hour. Well, thank you. Residential? Come on. The kids are kids play. I know. Kids and play on the street. For me, it's always kind of been instilled because even when I was a young punk, uh, I was usually like pretty high when I was driving around in residential areas. Like, yeah, yeah no reason for, yeah, to to push that. My wife was even like, we should talk to someone about putting in speed bumps. Oh, like, no, because oh, no. that affects you, too. Right. And but then you're also that person. Yeah. You're the your committee member. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a I'm, I'm in a committee. This is a very civically minded area. <laughs> yeah. We're in a progressive way. Yeah, I think. I'd hope so. I like Ambler. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I like um, it. going out in Ambler last night, I ran into like a renowned Ambler guy. He started telling me like historical things like, well, th- that's the, you know, the house that Mary Ambler lived in and telling me more about the history of her and the history and, and that he has maps in his doorway <laughs> of like Ambler in the 1880s. Give like, it 20 years and you are that person. At this rate, it's like, <laughs> give me six months. <laughs> I'm on my way. I'm surrounded give by it, these people that love it. And give it time. I'm going to be that person too. Yeah, that's that's when you get older, you become more obsessed with history. Or like gemstones. It's like, oh, this is my birthstone. Like I'm no. starting to understand. <laughs> you said no. <laughs> no. It'll happen. If it's not, not, if, not if, if not to I you, then your wife. Well, it could happen to her. She's out there. This is my birthstone. <laughs> She, oh my god, I can't remember what her birthstone in, is, but she was into it. Yeah, I gave her a whatever her birth an emerald maybe mm-hmm. um, for a birthday. It was before we ever got engaged or anything, and it was a ring. And she made sure to have a ring visible in every picture yes. that we were in, as if it was her engagement ring. Oh, well, like she was really flashing that. Like, yeah, flashing that jewelry. Yeah, um, it's good. I give I give good gifts. You, so you're getting old because you're already at the point where the best Philadelphia athletes are significantly younger than you. Yes. Yeah. Wentz we is 23, 22. Three future Hall of Famers. You're counting I, Reese. I feel like I'm jinxing it. You're counting Reese Hoskins. No. Well, he. Yeah. Let's count him. Let's count him. Let's count Four? him. I mean, by he, the way, you know we're, what? We're so far ahead of ourselves because I'm saying Embiid as if he's. We know he's. Yeah. Be well, oh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Right. Because if he's healthy, yeah. Who else? Ben Simmons. Yes. Wentz. Yeah. So those are the three. Yeah, those I'm are gonna, the three that put, like I'm just so grateful for this I'm, holiday season i'm putting reese hawkins in the phillies first baseman who broke the record for most home i think he had like 11 home runs in 17 games debuting out of the minors he's he's incredible and what's he 24 25 probably like 23 they get called up so early um yeah. this is is this the most exciting filled out is this our time in philly i'm so happy to be a, a philly sports fan. one of the cool things too it's like 
it's not enough just to look at the box score anymore. Like people will ask, it's like, did you see that play? And I'm just like, I guess I have to watch the games too. <laughs> Damn it. I got to like find a Reddit stream. Like, I'll be watch- I, I like watching basketball too, but it is a, it's a big ass. They play 82 games. <laughs> yeah. It's time consuming. It's a, t- it's time consuming. So like people are excited to watch games and I saw the, the shift when you're walking around South Street and you'll see like re- restaurant and bar signage. It's just like we're playing the Phillies game <laughs> or like we're playing the Eagles game. Or the Eagles, obviously, but like the Sixers as a selling point to get people into a bar. It's been a long time for either of them. Dude, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's even I, w- I was thinking it's even more exciting than like it's not as exciting as the playoffs in 2001 or something. But in terms of something to really rally behind, mm-hmm. I just love having the young guys. And maybe also because we sucked so bad for so long. Yeah, and they're the players themselves are just really exciting. Like I've never seen anything like Ben Simmons. He's seven foot, he plays point guard, he kind of he can barrel his way into the lane. It doesn't matter how far you play off of him. Embiid is seven three, shoots three pointers can take you off the dribble does like the shack kind of like back out and then dunk and it's insane yeah, he what he, he, like he, a he has a sky hook why not he's yeah. like a, you do a dream shake i love he's it a, and then he's also just the funniest person on in real life and on twitter so yeah to have you know like lebron for a while was like a very vanilla personality and you know to keep himself his brand safe and MB just has none of those pretensions. He's just like, I'm me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna try to date Rihanna. <laughs> and I was worried for him because it was one of those if he doesn't get healthy, this whole shtick is gonna wear thin. Yeah, well like it's really cool now. <laughs> but now but after we signed him to that big contract, it's gonna be easy to turn on this guy if he only plays like 25 30 games yeah. a year and he's all over the place on Twitter all the time. You just want him to play a whole year and you hope that you hope that they can do something to his body where they can fix uh, the problems he's having. I was listening to this podcast where they were talking about because like Steph Curry used to have ankle problems. That's why he got signed to a really cheap contract, which helped them kind of build their dynasty that they have now. And to fix his ankle problems, they like strengthened his hips to like so he wasn't putting as much pressure on his like ankles and feet. Oh, so maybe wow. there's some kind of. Sports science. Maybe Embiid and I should go. Me for my knee so I can shoot around <laughs> at the gym. <laughs> Lifetime fitness, Embiid. Do you, you, do you have a guest pass? I do, but okay, Joel, if you're listening, uh, you can only go during the week. I've got 12 guest passes, but it's hard to use them because I can only use them during the week. That's okay. just how it works. That's a lot of guests. You can come right? in with the whole team. Yeah, for real. Yeah. I will bring... Joel, you can bring uh, you can bring two sixers up to two sixers. I want you to bring Fultz. I want I want Fultz to start balling out against a bunch of aging white guys and just get your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. that's what you I'm can shoot that lefty garbage yeah, you've been shooting. Everyone thinks that he's falling apart. Like, can't he just play a bunch of like? Go out to a playground, be the best guy, and then he'll just be like, "Oh right, I'm awesome." Yeah, like maybe send, I shouldn't be so in my head. Send him to send him to college practices. Yeah, and just yeah, to turn no media, no nothing. So you're about to leave Philly. I'm about to leave Philadelphia. I'm so excited for you. I'm very scared. I'm very excited. I don't know. We'll see what happens. This isn't some Hail Mary shot that, that Ron's taking. It's you, a deep three, though. This is a deep three. <laughs> it's, still a, it's a deep three. It's a shot that you <laughs> A coach believes you can hit it. Yeah, they drew it up for me, but yeah. I still got I to hit it now. So, yeah. so you got an internship with The Onion. A fellowship. That's way better. Yeah. That, that means you're actually getting paid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my living expenses are covered. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Yes. So for anyone that's not familiar with – you're probably not listening if you're not familiar with The Onion. Uh, but The Onion is a satirical publication, mm-hmm. um, and it's fantastic. It's freaking hilarious, and – um, I, I can't wait to read your stuff. So how did it happen? All right. So we'll go through the whole dance. In, I think in April, they had like an open call for Onion Sports. And so I submitted a packet to that, did not get it. 
And then a couple months later, my friend Millie Tamarez, who runs Diverse as Fuck Festival. Are you familiar with that? No. <laughs> was not a setup. Was not a setup. Just a genuine question. I am the face of the Diverse as Fuck Festival. Yeah, you actually you run Headlining. it. You you bankroll it. Um my friend Millie, who runs the Diverse as Fuck Festival, which I had also applied to and did not get in, but I was on their email list from applying. And so I got an email that was just like, we're doing a career day with The Onion where writers are going to come in and you can ask them questions. And so I RSVP to that. And last minute, I couldn't make it. And then I went to Del Close Marathon with my improv team. And we had like, I'm in like this diversity improv, diverse improv Google group. And so we had like a meetup. Diverse um, improv Google group. Yeah, it's a lot of it's yeah. a lot of modifiers. It's just a bunch of <laughs> words that mean that if you're over 30. <laughs> we're going it's Valley like a diversity. P- it's like a POC Google group. It started off as like an email chain. Okay. Um, so then I went to that and Millie was there and she was just like, I, and I apologize. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I really wanted to go. But like something came up and she was like, yeah, well, they're trying. The Onion's trying to like uh, promote diversity in their writer's room. So they're going to come in from Chicago, a couple of, uh, of the writers, and they're going to lead some workshops. And I was just like, I need to know about this. So that was in June. And then I applied for the workshops in August. And then around like this is when around I started like working two jobs. I was unemployed for the summer. Um, so like September, I was just like, well, I guess I did not get into this workshop because <laughs> it's been like over a month and they said that it was going to happen in the fall. What was the application process like? You had to submit. So there were two. There were two. Uh, Clickhole and The Onion were doing workshops and i i really like like click hole but like i can't really get my head around their headline like how to write one i don't know if you've seen their stuff i don't know their stuff um so they had one that was just like uh uh spider eggs that were inside of like beanie bags finally hatching because <laughs> you know like you know, like the, the like the paper the machine like thing? Oh. no like you know, like a beanie baby it's got like those little like uh, like popping packages like inside of it, and so okay. the joke being that R- they Ron were is pantomiming a bunch of things. I'm just that shaking. If everyone could see it, you would. It gives no clarity to I what he's saying. I am a terrible charades player, but anyway, the the process was you could submit ten he- onion headlines and or ten clickhole headlines, and so I submitted onion headlines. So just headlines. Just headlines. No. Um, no articles, no news and briefs. So I submitted headlines, and then you submit like a cover letter. Can you give me a couple headlines? Do you remember any of them? Um, yeah. What's um, this headline has gone through like a lot of different iterations, but one, and I use this in my packet. It was um, disturbed man holds office orientation hostage with fun fact. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I would click that. <laughs> So that was definitely one. And then I had one that was like, um, uh, doctors find lost high school ring inside Joel Embiid's left metatarsal. <laughs> it was <just> like, <laughs> or like M- MRI reveals lost class ring inside Joel Embiid's like left Achilles or like something like that. That's good. Um, so yeah, so I applied to that. And then in October... They were just like, we're doing the workshops. Fill out when time works best for you. And at that time, I was working Tuesday through Wednesday. I pretty much worked nine to nine. So I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I work nights now. Um, And so then I asked my boss. I was just like, hey, can I come into work for two hours and then leave (laughs) to do these workshops? And she was like, yeah, do it. So then I went to... Where were you working at the time? I or? So I work at QVC doing copywriting, oh, right. and then I work at the Kelly Writers House, which is a literary nonprofit on UPenn's campus, and they do a lot of literary programs. Um, 
poetry readings, things of that nature. Your whole life is art. <laughs> All you do is create. I make reception food, and I, I lead. Don't be humble. I, I lead a, a rambunctious college students that have a lot to say. You're good with the college age group. <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this conversation. I'm going to say I would, yeah, so I would work two hours. And so the, the workshop was set up. They did like eight or nine of them. I think like a, uh, like over 100 people ended up getting getting into these workshops. And so I was in the one that was from 8.30 to 10. And that was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in mid-October and then they had like um like a reception like so drink. these workshops did it feel I'm so sorry for interrupting I was rude um but did it feel like you were sitting in a writer's room you're just bouncing ideas off each other and the stuff la- so yes and no so the first day one was just like kind of an introduction to the onion like what is satire what is like so that and that a lot of that was just like reading onion headlines and then like talking about why they were funny and i had like a harder it was like tougher for me um and then i'm also like shy so it took a while for me to like get acclimated and then we had homework assignments so they was just like write 15 headlines for homework and so i was like i don't i have a job so it's like i would just be on the i'd be in like the mega bus home just like I don't know. I'm just like writing stuff. and. But that's the type of homework that could dominate your mind. Yes. If one of my yeah. friends gave me that assignment, I would think about nothing else until yeah. I was done coming up with this routine. And it's, it didn't, yeah, my job is writing, so it's not like I can like fuck off and like right. write. It kind so of takes your... It's a bit time consuming. Oh, wow. That's that's very cool. And then the third day we had a, just we had a, a we simulated like a, the writer's room. So we all wrote headlines and um, the person who was leading the workshop read them all. So this is what happens in an onions writer's room. A bunch of headlines get written off, read off of a sheet of paper. And the ones that, so everyone in the room is just like, decides the ones that they think are funny. So a laugh means nothing. So you can laugh, but if you don't say like, yes, I would like to see that headline go to the second stage. So we read a bunch of the headlines that we wrote and then they get written they get written up and they we they get put in a word document and they're like numbered like one through 40 and then it's like who wants to talk about a headline that they like and so we go like headline 18 i think is funny for this reason do people advocate for themselves not i didn't (laughs) (laughs) i can't speak to whether other people advocated for myself and i did not get so these so these are all blind you don't know they're blind yeah they're blind because I was going to ask you, were there people there that just blatantly you could recognize this lady or dude sucks? They <laughs> <laughs> just not funny. <laughs> like this, like for God's sake, this shouldn't no, happen for them. No, I no. Wait, I will say no. I don't. I my group was great. Hi guys, we're in an email chain still. Oh, okay. We're all friends. Um, but no, no, I, I'm sure my, you're all equally talented. <laughs> we're all so funny. And so it's so great. Um, and so that is when, like, the tagging jokes process is when it really clicked for me. Because for a while, I was just like, I'm not particularly fast at writing headlines. Like, I'm having trouble with that. Like, I'm not super great at, like, calling out why something is funny. But then when we did the pitch meeting and I was just, like, really good at, like, tagging jokes. And it was just a lot of fun to, like, you w- like explore the world of this joke and, like, what where where we can take it so that's where i felt like i really was having fun and i was like maybe i could do this this could be a fun job if this is what it's like just like tagging jokes and making jokes better i can help a writer's room in that way so with the focus being to uh cultivate a more diverse writing staff was this all women and people of color (laughs) yeah let's say that (laughs) <laughs> oh no am, I, no! am I missing the mark? No, there were white dudes there too. Oh, okay, they're like gay white dudes. Oh, okay. Um, white presenting dudes who were like maybe Middle Eastern. The room, it's I mean, it was like th- there were in my group. I think white people outnumbered people of color, and there was like one person of color who was a woman in my group. So, yeah. And then I my friend who had also done a, was in a separate group 
also was like, yeah, I was like one of the only people, women of color in the group. So, I mean, it's a tough, I wish I would have loved for more diversity in that room. It's a tough sell to be like, hey, right. It's usually if you're filling out like a scholarship for something, it's just like write a cover letter. So it's a tough sell to be like, write 10 onion headlines. And the reward is you get to do this workshop. Some people, and you know, some people are funny and then like also not wired in that way to like want to write head, onion headlines too. So I can understand yeah, a lot it of being comics tough. Are lazy. Yeah. A lot of people don't apply themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah. So you have experience with writing and, and my thought process, I, I would imagine you agree, is that if you, a, a lot of creative people think that you will be inspired by something, you'll come up with something great. And sometimes that happens. But in my opinion, if you just drill and you make yourself work, you'll come up with the best things that way. Like yeah, you have totally. To really work it out. Yeah, I just get obsessed with things. And I'm like, when I was writing the, my onion packet, it's like I was not doing stand up. I was just like, I have to fucking drill this out. And look, what really like helped with that workshop is figuring out like here are the 13 kinds of onion jokes, which you can intuit if you read it, but like having the language of just like maybe this joke doesn't work as like an analogy but it works as like an op-ed or maybe it works as a study or a report instead of like um a reference so it's just like having the that language of just like i'm struggling to figure i know this is a funny idea i know there's something weird here let me just like try it in 13 different formats and like see which one works best I think that's what helped the most because before I would just be like, I can't, this is like, I'm just hammering away. It's like, it's not working. I can't right. figure it out. But <laughs> it's also cool that you get to have the, you know, medium or, or, you know, you get put in this environment where you're around other funny people that mm -hmm. might want to contribute some sort of minor modification to it. Yeah. It's that like you can work on it together because I don't know, I've tried to write things and then you're tempted to reach out to someone and they're probably not going to give a shit. They're really, they're all really, we're all really busy. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, you're all in it together. Let's I, try to. Yeah. I'm all about that. I'm all like, let's try to hold each other accountable. So whether it's like th stand ups meeting up and like I brought jokes, you brought jokes. We'll, hopefully this will be mutually beneficial. Um, or if it's writing, it's like I'm writing something and I need someone to hold me accountable. Like, will you read it? one because i want to hear your opinion but also i just need someone like over my shoulder and then i in exchange i will read your stuff so like that's it's important to have a group of people who get it and will make your stuff better so you're gonna be moving to chicago in January. yeah i'm jesus man <laughs> so that so i did, so cold i did yeah it, it, it really is i so i did that and that that was like in preparation to like get your packet ready for the the writing fellowship. The deadline was November 2nd. I didn't even know about the writing fellowship. I had heard about it when I was in college and I thought they did stop doing it. I thought it was like something that if you write for the lampoon or like some college humor newspaper, you're like plucked and it's like, you're allowed to submit. I didn't know that there was like an open call. So, and also in between that, I went to Chicago to visit my friend John Gasper. Mm. Um, and I had How's he doing out there? He's doing great. He's actually I'm gonna He's a funny guy. I'm seeing him tonight actually. He's in town for Thanksgiving, so cool. Um so I had planned that months in advance and was just like, Well, I'm gonna go I was in Chicago, so I just emailed the guy who led my workshop and I was just like I don't know what the protocol here is like, but like I'm going to be here Monday morning. My friend's going to be at work. I would love to sit in on a pitch meeting because I have nothing else to do. Oh, they probably loved that. Yeah, they did. So I think that helped a lot, too. So I, I sat in on a pitch that like two weeks after the workshops and like everyone was super nice. And I just expected it to be like more intimidating. And like I just didn't expect like the room to be as sociable i thought it was going to just be like very like anti-social well, oh, what does everyone wear <laughs> people dress normally there's a couple people who i would consider like oh these people are, are very hip but i would say people dress it's they're a lot more normal and like well adjusted not a lot of khakis <laughs> some dress shirts in there yeah um so yeah i did that I went and visited and then I submitted like two days later 
And yeah, then last week is like I got an email that was just like, or would you be available for a phone interview today? And I was like, I hyperventilate. I was coughing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I just coughed. I coughed a lot and like couldn't breathe a lot. And then, yeah, we did the interview and then I, I got it from there. And now I'm moving to Chicago in January. So but if it, this goes well, how frequently will you be contributing to The Onion? So the, with the Writing Fellowship, you function as a writer. And so you, I'm expected to pitch. With the, on Monday, we do the um, topical jokes pitch. So I'm, I'm expected to pitch for that. And then Tuesday and Wednesday is like the evergreen jokes, local man, area woman st- kind of stuff. And so that's my that is my full time job is doing is pitching jokes. So if I if my are jokes are to good, hone your skills in the meantime, like when you when you're looking at the news, you think, okay, what's my angle here? What's the yeah? Joke? I mean, it's it's tough because it's like I have to work to save money to move. So it's like I haven't been writing as much as I'm. I've been I I would have wanted to, but like when I'm talking to people, I'm just like, okay, that could be that could be an onion headline, and I'm like keeping a log, and I'm trying I'm trying to write as much as I can, in the meantime to like stockpile stuff up. But yeah, um, do you think so, that you're gonna have a lot of comedy connections there? Because I'm sure that a lot of their staff probably does stand up and no, no. <laughs> I will I have comedy connections? Yes, not I, I think I might be one of the only stand ups on their staff. It's going to be cool to have what you're doing full time and then comedy wouldn't be your weird secret or that it's like, it's yeah. totally in the same it's spirit. Incredibly. Like, oh, it's incredible. Cool it's doing. very validating, especially because like, uh, for I, I mean, I would go to New York in high school and like bring an onion home. That would be as like a keepsake. Like that was always like, oh, I'm going to New York. I'm going to get an onion. So it's just like, this is really something that I've been interested in, even more so than forever. they've I been mean, around for decades. It was the people that were helming the onion that helped make the daily show mm-hmm. happen. And, and you know, the really just very far reaching influence. Yeah. So I can really say that's like, this is a dream of mine since I was a kid. It's also stable as hell, which like as someone who doesn't come from money, like that's really important to be like, this job won't go away if like a network decides to cancel it. So like that, that is really important. And yeah, it's just validating to be in, you get to year four, you get to year five, you start looking around, people are doing stuff. And it, I had already been talking about moving next year just because it's like, I don't know, maybe I've kind of reached like the ceiling of things I can do in Philadelphia. It's like, I'm not hosting at clubs yet, but it's like, I might have to stake around like another five years to do that. And at, at that point, it's like, you're hosting for people that are younger than you. <laughs> so like I, it was, it was one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I'm like, my friends are getting married too. So it was, I was getting antsier about comedy and I was still just like, I'm still dedicated to this. I'm, I still want to hit the 10 year mark before I have any serious discussions about like time commitment versus like what I'm getting out of it. But it was, so for that to happen, it's been like very validating um, and like good for my ego and sense of self in that way it's in other ways it's very nerve-wracking and then you have like all kinds of imposter syndrome and like i'm not even good on twitter how am i (laughs) my my twitter is this okay but like now i have to write short form jokes so um so yeah i'm gonna do that fellowship for six months and then at the end we'll assess what happens everyone that's on staff now has done the fellowship and their staff goes through a lot of turnover because like people get plucked to write for tv Sure. Dude, that's so awesome. Yeah. So I could, that's where I was about to go with this. It's such a great launching pad. And whether you end up writing for TV or something or for even movies, but even just writing in other kinds of publications. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's it's been wild just over the last couple of weeks and months how publications still loom large in the consciousness. Yeah, totally. You know, time, the, one of the biggest stories today is whether or not trump was asked to be the person <laughs> of the year because like, this shit is still relevant yeah People it is care a lot about this stuff and i um, look at and- i look at my friends who either were writing for like new york magazine or like split different comedy websites or comedy verticals for websites and like i'm sure that's helped them get writing jobs like i'm sure showing people that you can write is like a good 
is a good thing to be doing. And for some people it's on Twitter and for other people it's in publications, but they still matter a lot. Right. No, I love that. I used to write a blog. That was kind of, I did it for maybe a couple of years. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's fun to ch- it, challenge yourself up? to come. No, it went away. It was I stopped. I, I ended my subscription, but I had four or five hundred a day, which you know hits a day. Which I wasn't promoting it because I thought I could get in trouble with work. Oh right, and stuff right. like that. So I thought it was pretty decent because it was all organic growth. But it was called I Need Another Drink. dot com, <laughs> and it was just like I was always. If that was kind of what gave me the confidence to do stand up, because I'd have people reach out to me through the site he's like so where do you perform you're obviously a stand-up like no i'm I'm just a dickhead that thought that this was a cool name for a website and then a blog is the cheapest thing you can do once you buy a domain i didn't know what else to do yeah you can sell it you can find you can hope that one day uh john koppel the computer programmer comes along and yeah like i need this for my portfolio yeah yeah for real but um, no, that uh, good for you. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing it, to to seeing what you come up with. I'm excited. There's some stuff that I've written since um, since I applied that I'm super stoked about, and I'm trying. They tell you like, don't fall in love with your jokes because you know 200 jokes get read, and the chances that your joke gets picked is small. But like, there's some stuff that I'm really excited about, and about I'm trying pitching. to. What's that about pitching? About pitching, yeah. Um, okay, there's one that I wrote that I'm. It's like women's march reroutes to avoid approaching black teenager. Oh, that's great! <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I really want this to be published. It's good. Um, but yeah, there's, and I'm just like trying to like figure out my sensibility and like I thrive on structure too. So I'm like trying to figure out like a way to format like whether it's a word document or an excel sheet to just be like how do i focus when i need to focus on writing because you have all of the experiences you've had in life plus the news to draw from so it's very it it can be like too vast for me to think about like what do i want to write about so i'm trying to like make a document that can focus my interest and be like all right entertainment jokes Here's everything you know about Will Smith. Like, write some stuff about Will Smith. Like, just right. try to focus my shit. So, do you feel like you have to? Are Are you intimidated about whether you're knowledgeable enough with pop culture? I I think like politics is like my my sore spot. Okay. Yeah. I didn't mean even in my packet. Like, it was a it was a little bit of a struggle to get like some political jokes in there. And I follow it through Twitter, but I'm not like I'm not the guy who's like in Trump's who's like quote tweeting Trump like actually right. <laughs> actually yeah, the justice department Risa, like oh yeah I'm not that guy it's funny because I'm trying to get away from it but meanwhile I check the trending stories on my phone compulsively yeah probably three or four times an hour and before I know it I realize I I know more than I should because it's not even healthy and it's like it really doesn't even matter that much <laughs> I do feel like uh pop culture gets tougher to stay on top of but it's a lot of it but the big stories you do end up knowing yeah it's like everyone gravitates to the same thing and it's just whatever's going to get the clicks or the like gq put colin kaepernick as the person of the year yeah of course which i thought like they're like becoming they're trying to become woke now they have oberman oberman is like does their youtube channel right so that's their that's where they're going but it's also that's where the clicks are too Oh, very, absolutely. A very suddenly political magazine. Everything's political. Yeah. Esquire, Rolling Stone always has been. Teen Vogue. Te- yeah. Teen Vogue. Probably. They had, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, even things that aren't overtly political. It just, people just shooting for demographics blatantly. Like People Magazine naming Blake Shelton the sexiest man alive. Yeah. Which growing up, I mean, I don't really care that much about who's deemed the sexiest man alive. It really doesn't affect me. But growing up, it seemed like when you were middle school, high school, the girls all thought that certain guys were super hot. I don't know that there are that many Philly area high schools who are like that Blake Shelton. Yeah, that. Get me some of that. <laughs> that like aging dad. 
Yeah, it's very much I want to get Midwestern middle-aged women to buy this. Yeah, they're appealing to their base. Yeah. Yeah, what counts is I wonder I wonder who who is like universally like Chris Hemsworth, I guess, right? He's like Sure. He appeals to a lot of different bases, I think. And The Rock last year. The Rock. Um, Who else is a sexy who's guy? Who's universally sexy? <laughs> what dudes do you find <laughs> to be the hottest? <laughs> well, for a while, it was always the obvious. Like, it's like a hunk. Yeah, yeah. Just the hunky dudes or just like the super pretty guys. Yes. Like Johnny Depp was just pretty. Yeah. there's Yeah. Blake Sheldon is both, has no muscle definition and is not. <laughs> <laughs> is not pretty. He's like a definition of average. Yeah, yeah. He's just some. He's some guy, which that's okay. That's okay too. Yeah. What's who is owning this year from a pop culture standpoint? Joel Embiid. It's, pr- it's probably Joel him. Embiid. Yeah. Yeah. No. He's... Everything he does is news. Is it? Yes, or at least in my circles. <laughs> <laughs> the the circles that I traffic. Yeah, he's making news. Okay. Yeah. Did um did you care at all when Tom Petty died? No. This year? No. It felt like it didn't matter to people. <laughs> I didn't. I was very disillusioned over that. I don't I know, sad. man. Yeah, I I see the cultural differences between me and my comedy friends. I have nothing to say about Charles Manson. There are so many Charles Manson jokes. There's a sick fascination with People love serial killers. Um like yeah, when you look at like podcast charts, it's just like serial killers, serial killers, like true crime, and that stuff really makes me sick. Like I, um, yeah, I like watched, uh, the People versus OJ, and like I had to stop. Like I was having terrible dreams. Oh, I loved that. I it was, that was. I thought really it was very good. compelling. Like I watched like seven in a row. Oh well, that's. I watched, <laughs> that might be too much. I watched like seven in a row, and then I started having terrible dreams for like a week, and I was just like, I cannot watch this anymore. I don't. I agree that it's like compelling to listen to, but I. It's like, I don't know. It's it like seeps in. It seeps into my consciousness. And it's dark. Like, it's too I, dark. For a, me. a good friend of mine, he and his wife always watch Intervention, mm-hmm. and I can't think of anything that I'd want to watch less. Yeah, it's horrible watching people struggle with addiction and then basically drag their family and friends down with it. It's the saddest thing. And it's like, why is that? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. It's wait, but is there like a recovery story at the end of it? Do they get better? Oh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't like just the people numbers suffer. behind addiction. They're not good. They're terrible. Yeah. yeah they're so really when bad. it's really bad, when somebody's got it really bad, I, you don't think like, well, they wouldn't be showing this unless they land on their feet. Well, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, could be bad. We went dark, didn't we? We went really dark. <laughs> but that's where the culture is right now. Everyone's everyone's dying. <laughs> everyone's all about death now. Were you excited when Tiffany Haddish uh, hosted Saturday Night Live? Yeah, I was. It turned into She's a really great. big thing on social media. Yeah, I love her. I actually saw a girl's trip with my family yet. Yeah, thursday for thanksgiving that's what we watched after was it funny it was really funny she's she's so funny yeah i wasn't aware of her whatsoever until that um the jimmy kimmel clip of her did you see that no what you do? she went on kimmel and she told this story about um uh using a groupon to go out on uh, i forget what kind of boat it is but it was in new orleans with will and jada yeah. smith and it's the funniest fucking story like, I didn't know if she was a comedian. I didn't know who she was, but it's exactly my favorite type of thing because That's it was great. long form. It was kind of self-deprecating, and it was just – it was great. And then on Saturday Night Live, I was like, oh, it's the chick from Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. And <laughs> her opening monologue was great because, again, it was like kind of self-deprecating and not like provocative for the sake of being provocative, just – good funny long form stuff and uh, i was really surprised to hear that she was the first black female comedian yeah because it's long, like no long overdue no wanda sykes but wanda you sykes? would think those two yeah especially Whoopi, but both of them yes that it, it's odd very odd to think about that i'm trying to think of who are some other black women comedian i, I think I like do- the, i think the two dope girls could host i think they're famous enough 
Jessica yeah. Williams and Phoebe Robinson. That's true. Um, but I yeah, think sometimes I feel like having the that huge, you know, first, you know, that title kind of almost overshadows the person. Yeah. Because she was great. She could be a cast member if that's what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. At this point in her career, it probably wouldn't be the best move. Right. But she's that good. She's so good. Yeah. And I. It's almost like it made me think of Jackie Robinson because <laughs> I was like, if he went out and he hit like 280 and was just decent out there, he could have stayed in the majors for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he would just be famous as like the first African American baseball player. Sometimes I think like, yo, that motherfucker came in and dominated. Nobody talks about that. It's yeah. just the fact that he was the first. Yeah, but to be the first, you have to be really good, or else it's just like I'll just get we'll get Curly to hit two third. <laughs> I got a cousin that can hit a curveball, so we'll just get it. We'll just get him. It was like we got this guy who is gonna change this franchise around. Also, he's black, so. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's um. But no, I was happy for her. I like I what I like about her is I think that they're she is self-deprecating and like a comedian in that way, but I do she seems to have a real self-confidence and like I think she is aware that she is good and that's an attitude that I don't see a lot in the comedy scene or just like people I think it's like embarrassing to want to be great. Oh, of course. <laughs> people think it's yeah, people think it's embarrassing to be like I want to be really good. Right. Well, I think that it it's not really conducive with being funny. True. You yeah, know, yeah. You look like you're working really hard yeah, and yeah. striving for approval Eff- that badly. Effort is frowned upon. Yeah. But that creates a lot of like boring comedians. And I I remember um I was I went to Good Good and I saw like these comics in from New York and they like they do characters and they're just like really silly. They have like sketches and, and it's like, man, you can't probably can't do that at a mic. Like there's prob- the, probably like it's people are too jaded for you to get it's tough, anything but, but like that the off the ground. But a mic so much of the time is just somebody laid back acting as if I don't give a shit about being here. It's like, dude, you waited two hours. <laughs> mic. You signed your name on a list. Got here an hour early and then waited two hours to get on the mic. So, like, clearly you want to be here. But, yeah, the vibe is like, ah, I don't fucking care. Yeah, I don't care. Well, my whole yeah. my whole night's been built around this four and a half yeah. minutes. Like, take it or leave it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I probably canceled plans or some shit I could have been doing that I I could have been getting sleep for my job that I work the next day. I've decided to be here, but, like, you know, when I get up there, I'm just like, ah, what the fuck? What's next? What do you, I got, I got, I'm looking at my notebook and it's like, you care. So maybe, you know, you're right. It's a fine line between like the guy that's just like, I've read all the comedy books and, you know, talking about family. And like, I just, I just want to be, I'm going to do all this stuff that like the great comedians did and I'm going to ape them. So there's a, there's a fine line between that guy Um it's even you don't want to be that guy but you i think it's important to want to be very good yeah and it's i think she i you, i think i can see that in her where she's just like i'm blowing up right now and i'm not afraid yeah <laughs> exactly. like she called her her, st- her stand-up which was called she ready oh is that right <laughs> yeah i was like oh, fuck yeah great. you are ready yeah that, i think it's great that's much better than what now yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah i made 70 million dollars last year what now i love that i love that it's like where do i go from here i <laughs> mean it's, it's honest i don't particularly like his stand-up i yeah. root for him because he he reps philly really hard and he does great things for the city mm-hmm. um but then i don't know i went to see kevin hart live and i was just confused <laughs> i was really confused because he had like seven openers and they were all so funny oh really they, they were great the two-ray open um, bald guy with the goatee maybe. Tall, really tall it was too many dudes yeah um and then he got up and i thought it was shit yeah and everyone was just doubled over the whole time because he he like figured out this formula i think where he'll hit on something and then he'll just hit on it again and again and again yeah they'll keep calling back stuff yeah and when you're sitting next to someone 
that say like, oh my god, I can't even breathe. This is so funny, and you don't think it's funny. You just get confused and kind of angry. Yeah, <laughs> like, what the fuck? it's agitating. It is agitating. Oh. At least you enjoyed the openers, though. I did enjoy the openers you... a lot, and I uh, my rich friend got me into his boxes. Ooh, box, where'd you so. see him? At the link. Nice. Yeah. So it was. You've never seen that many people go to a comedy show before. No, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It's good. It's good crossover appeal. Does anyone... This kind of goes back to the Tom Petty thing. I feel like white stuff doesn't cross over. <laughs> what? Like, other Jerry than Game Seinfeld? of Thrones. <laughs> oh, Jerry Seinfeld? Are we cool with Jerry? Oh. I love Jerry. Like, I mean... I, I do you are you saying that like are there is there white pop culture that's popular with black people? Yeah, Walking Dead, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, like apocalyptic. Yeah, <laughs> crosses over post-apocalyptic stuff. Not uh, Tom Petty. Not Tom Petty. Not Bowie. No, <laughs> definitely not Bowie. Those two were the deaths that hurt me so bad. Yeah, because I'm really white. In yeah. <laughs> And it's a time period thing. I think Sam Smith seems to be doing a good job. Okay. Why people like Sam Smith? He didn't cross over to me yet. Beaver, Beaver is crossed over. Oh, that's yeah. true. Beaver is everywhere. Old, too. like, yeah, like people my age, people half my age, people twice my age, people twice your age. You know what I they think all that like is? Beaver. I think, um, I think crazy is universal. <laughs> like somebody, somebody getting money and then losing their mind. Is like I think from every culture, it's like yeah, well, I know guys that do that. He's, he's <laughs> that would like, do that. He redefined himself too, so he's got like the teeny bopper songs, and then he also the the more the more serious. His serious turn is really good. I liked his he's last. He's serious album. now. He's serious now. You unironically like Bieber. Yeah, I, I, the the last album I liked it. What do you mean? Listen to that. Listen to that song. Really? Yes. Because now I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to be upset <laughs> if it's not good. Yeah, I like that song. I like so You've listened to Sorry, right? No. No? You Are you a radio guy? Do you listen to the radio in your not car? Not much. Okay. I mean, there's some pop songs that really like get me. Like I, I thought, I think that the new Taylor Swift songs are dog shit. I don't They're understand not good. them. Um, She's a like, person who has not crossed over. But she doesn't <laughs> she need to. She clearly has. Oh, to, yeah. To people of color. People no. of color don't really love Taylor Swift that I know. But she doesn't need to because she, you know. I do like the song Shake It Off. I think that song's kind of adorable. Yeah, there's some stuff where I'll listen to her. It's like, what's the one? The, what's the one that's like, oh, Blank Space? What's that? I. <laughs> I'm not gonna sing Blake's face. I, gonna, I considered it. it, but I will not. But no, sing it. No, I'm not doing it. Is it a Taylor Swift song? It's a Taylor Swift song. But I was like, you know what? If it's on at a Starbucks, fine. I'm not gonna listen to it. I'm not gonna listen to it on my own free time. But if it's on, sure. This is getting older at this point, but I really like uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. Call me maybe. Yeah, is that her name? Yeah, it's, she's hip though. Oh, is she? she? Yeah. She's still cool. Oh, because she had the follow-up song. The follow-up song. I was like, yo, this song's good, too. Yeah. It first, she, it's weird because she makes pop music, but it no longer goes on the radio. But that she's one She's one that like hipsters like a lot. Or just young people. I don't know if that term's even relevant young anymore. Young people like us. Yeah, the millennials. Yeah. My tribe, you know. <laughs> My tribe of people. You got anything you want to plug? Um... I'm doing Black History Monthly. The last one that I'm doing in a while is December 17th or 15th. The third Friday in December at fit at 10 p.m. Philadelphia Improv Theater, 19th and Sampson. Come out to that. And yeah, so come to that. A couple podcasts ago, we had Aston Wallace on. I think it was the night before he was doing. And it was just the weirdest thing because he's, he's a good friend of mine. And he got on the show mm -hmm. and just no court, no... It's like you go to New Orleans without talking. You, <laughs> I've had, you yeah, reach out to I've, my boy that lives in L.A. and go on the show <laughs> without. And I would have only given you the thumbs up like, yeah, no, you have to book him. Did he? I heard he killed it. He killed and brought like 50 people. And, I didn't go. Yeah, not couple. I didn't want to go to your show. Not couple, but he brought a lot of your mutual friends, your high school people. He had it was such a he's such a nice guy and a funny comedian. So I was glad. I it was a it's one of those things where it's like 
he posted this thing on Facebook that was like, I'm going to be in Philly from blank to blank. Who has a thing? And our mutual friend tagged me and I'm just like, well, if you vouch for him, I guess, you know, because you never know. You never know what you're what you sign up for. And so I was just like, well, I trust Quincy. And so if he vouches for him and then asked him, he was really nice. He was just like, listen, I'll send a tape like and he sent the tape. And I was just like, I just send it so I can send it to my co-host. I mean, you're on the show. So the tape was good. And I think it's the tape that he sent was from a show that that Buddy and I put on that he was on. Oh, really? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, that... um, yeah. So it worked out. It worked out, and um, yeah, I'm gonna miss doing that shows. This is the, the last one for a while, so please come to that. You get there. There was one time um, in which Aston came in to Philly, and I, I went to an open mic with him, mm-hmm. and um, I introduced some people. To, hey, that's it. this is uh, my high school buddy. And the response that I got was like, you're friends with him? Yeah. I was like, what? I can't be friends with a black guy? Black That's people were allowed up. in my high school, you racist. Right. And then the response is like, no, he just looks so much younger than you. How you guys went to high school together? I was like, fuck. I'm like, can't we get back to being having black friends? Yeah, make it about race again. That's so funny. All right, guys. Thank you for listening, Ron. Thanks, thank guys. you so much for coming, man. Thanks, John.